Internet Comedy Podcast, comedian, internet personality, owner-operator here at Planet Comedy. Uh, welcome back to the podcast. Last week we covered the news. We covered, you know, <clears throat> all the things we have coming here at Planet Comedy. And we covered, what was the topic last week? God, it's been so long, so much has happened to me. What was our first topic? Oh, it was with Devin. It was... uh like mental health and all that stuff. What was last week's topic though? Oh, what makes a movie good? That's right. That's right. I told you guys about my first date experience. Well, this week we're going to cover the news again. What happened last week? Let's just get right into the podcast. I don't really have anything to update you guys on my personal life. I'm just, you know, carrying on. <clears throat> John Fetterman, the Pennsylvania senator, I want to say is depressed and committed himself to a mental health institution so uh naturally for some reason people on twitter are claiming that he's dead uh he's sponsoring a bill while in the hospital for a depressive episode uh, conservative commentators are claiming that fetterman is either dead or brain dead and nobody is admitting it to keep the pennsylvania seat uh democratic and I, I don't know, I can't roll my eyes hard enough at this. Like, it just kind of feels like try, keeping the fact that somebody's dead a secret in the United States would be kind of hard. I mean, we have a lot. Everyone has a phone. Everyone has a 4K camera on their phone anymore. I just feel like if a dude was dead, we would know. <laughs> like, you can disagree with its politics. And listen, the idea that maybe he is not fit to be, like, making legislation while in a you know mental health institution with you know having a depressive episode that's that's a different argument but i don't think he's dead guys everyone calm down i just love the dramatics everyone goes to the most dramatic conclusion now on social media it's awesome But, you know, whatever. There's another day in American politics anymore as everyone just, everyone who commentates on this stuff just immediately goes to the wildest conclusion there could ever be. But uh, speaking of wild things, <clears throat> on Netflix they have this Netflix documentary called The Murdoch, oh, is it The Murdoch Files, Murdoch Murders? And it talks about a family from South Carolina, which is where I'm from. Um, that, that murdered people you know well not a whole family like there's a okay so what happened is the son Paul got into some hot water in 2019 for a boat wreck that killed a one young woman I would need, believe her name was I'm not going to attempt it I'll look it up but she was a teenage girlfriend of one of his friends they got in a boat at boating accident and i believe told the authorities at first that somebody else was driving and then it was revealed later that the son paul murdoch was driving let me see let me look this up for you real quick Mallory Beach and after that it kind of opened the door to a a couple of different weird things that had happened like their 
the per like what was it the caretaker the family caretaker like the person who was who would watch the kids while he was at work and the wife was at work it was like you know, feed the animals water the plants all that stuff she died under suspicious circumstances so she tripped over their dogs while walking them uh, and <laughs> fell down a set of concrete stairs and I guess busted her head open and it killed her, which sounds brutal and suspicious that she was stripped by dogs and died. So <clears throat> that and then a 2015 death by, from his, I believe, the other son. Alex Murdoch's other son, which his name is... Oh, what is his real name? They call him Buster, but that's not his real name. And that, from at least the documentary's point of view, and the people who were there, like, the rumor was that he was having a gay relationship with this uh, fellow classmate that was tutoring him, and he got, I would assume, embarrassed of it, and they picked him up on the side of the road after he called because his car ran out of gas... And I don't know. He had blunt force trauma, so I'd assume they hit him with something. I don't know. But, like, there's just been a lot of suspicious shit around this one family. And it all got stirred up when the son, Paul, got into himself in some hot water for a boat wreck that killed uh, Mallory Beach. Kind of opened this whole thing up because the Beach family, you know, was obviously suspicious. and And they wanted... To see justice done for the first time probably ever against this family. And then. Oh God sorry. In 2021. Paul. And the wife. His mom Maggie were shot and killed. At the family's like country resort. In South Carolina. Where everybody. You know, where they had, like, several homes and several different properties. I think it was called Mosella. Look at me remembering stuff. But at first, uh, I guess Alex got on the scene after they were shot because he said he was visiting his parents. And he called the, he made the 911 call, and it looked like that people had just, you know, something terrible had happened. Maybe somebody had come for revenge, you know, for something messed up that happened to their children. And obviously the kids of the, the kids who were involved in the boat wreck were looked at. The kids' parents who were involved in the boat wreck were looked at. Then they came back around to Alex Murdaugh, who I guess had a drug problem, which is part of the reason they think maybe that the, the housekeeper got killed because she found drugs in his room. And then, I don't know how long it was later, but he got shot on the side of the road trying to change a tire by a guy they believe who was, was his drug dealer, I want to say. And basically, they believe he paid him to kill his family. So, he was indicted and arrested in 2022, Alex Murdoch was, for all this crazy shit. I haven't watched the full documentary. I haven't really paid attention. This has all just come really to my attention in the last week and a half. And I'll update you guys when I know more. But he was convicted a week ago. 
from what I saw, he was convicted of these of his wife's and son's murder, and was we sentenced to prison. And that's crazy to me. But that's what's gonna happen. And I'll have to get more on this this whole case. I'll have to watch this full documentary and give you guys my report. But what a wild world we live in. Just that the there's a there's a time that this this man really thought he was gonna be able to get away with this. And he got away with so much for so long, it seems like. So, I don't know. Craziness. Uh, but speaking of craziness, Florida is going to... A Florida bill would force bloggers who speak about the local legislators to register themselves with the local government. Which seems crazy to me. That seems like it's against the First Amendment. So, I don't understand how that would get through. I... I mean, do we really want that? Do we really want the government to know who's talking shit about them? Just let them talk shit. Why do you care? You are a legislator. Just legislate. <laughs> Bloggers. If I had to register with every politician I've talked shit about, that's a long list. And I don't know that I would really be sorry about anything I said about any of them. You know, that feels disingenuous to say that I would. So no, I don't think I don't think it's beneficial for anyone. It wouldn't be beneficial for the legislators. It wouldn't be beneficial for said bloggers. You know, I don't know. I think Florida, the Florida local government, is clearly on just a different path right now just a different a different wavelength than the rest of the country speaking of being on a different wavelength UFC 285 was this last weekend John Jones ladies and gentlemen wins the UFC heavyweight championship of the world by submission in the first round against Surreal Gone it was it was like watching a movie he just slowly like walked him down, got a hold of him and strangled him and became the champ. And John is just the best. I don't know how the, how we can say anyone else is better than John Jones, especially after what we saw this weekend, especially after what he did to a legitimate heavyweight contender. I mean, that was dominance. There was no moment where John was in any danger. And he just took Surreal apart immediately on the ground. And now he's the heavyweight champ. He's been the champ in two divisions. He is the youngest champion in the history of the heavyweight division. Which is crazy. I I, I don't know how you can argue that anyone besides Johnny Bones Jones is the greatest UFC fighter of all time. I mean, it really is kind of crazy. Here, let me get the... I'll pull it up for you guys. I'll even record my screen, let you guys see what I'm, I'm uh, watching on here. But yeah, I just don't... After this kind of performance, I don't understand how you don't respect John. So he basically just took him down immediately. Not immediately, but I mean, he never took any damage. Like, I don't even know that Surreal hit him. 
but yeah, UFC 285. I can't believe it was that. I, I mean, I I had an inkling that John was going to win this. That John was going to walk out of this night the UFC heavyweight champion. I just didn't know it was going to be in such domineering fashion. I didn't know it was going to be one of those things where he just took somebody out with no problems. Because Cyril, you know, I, I, he looked good in the fights that were against Francis Ngannou and then in this fight. I mean, he took everybody else out. Took out Derek Lewis. Took out Ty Tuivasa. Took out a lot of other people. A lot of people in the heavyweight division. He is one of the best movement strikers I've ever seen. And John just said, that's all super cool and interesting. And then just walked in there and took him down. Mount, didn't mount him. Didn't back mount him. Just got like full front face face lock or whatever they call it put him in a guillotine choke and then just choked him it's crazy So he called out, oh, basically, like, so he became the USC heavyweight champion, did John Jones, called out Stipe Miocic, called out Francis Ngannou. There's a good chance he fights Stipe next because Francis doesn't seem interested in messing with the UFC right now, which is depressing. Because I think that's the fight is Francis versus John, but that's probably not gonna happen. We're gonna get Stepe versus John. My money's on John because I just watched him take apart Cyril Gone with no problem. I mean, I don't know how you could bet against John Jones at this point, so I got John. And then John beats Stepe and calls out Francis again, and then we see what happens. That's probably the move from this point forward. If not, I don't know who John fights after that. Maybe Derek Lewis. Maybe I don't know. Brock Lesnar. <laughs> I don't know. The other big result from UFC 285: Alex Grasso wins the UFC Strawweight Championship by submission versus Valentina Shevchenko in the fourth round. I could not believe this. Valentina is the scariest person on earth. Has been the whole time. Like, she just beats people up. She's been beating girls up, no problem. Not only has she been beating girls up, she beats girls up by doing stuff that they do good. Like, she fought a girl who could wrestle, and so she just took her down and choked her out. And then she fights girls who can, you know, like, stand up and box, or kickbox, or have Muay Thai, and then she just beats the shit out of them, too. And I'm just like, that's she's just a mean-spirited when it comes to, like, winning. But then... And she was a huge, obviously, favorite in this fight. She's a huge favorite in every, all of her fights. Alex Grosso is a excellent wrestler. Excellent boxer. And she did a good job. The thing that shocked me was the striking. She did a good job not getting completely outclassed in striking. Did a good job connecting in her boxing. Staying in that distance where she could hit her with, the big punch, with, with good punches, with good combinations. And it's really the first time I've seen anyone do this 
against Valentina Shevchenko. And Shevchenko is a scary lady. She really, really is. She really, really is a scary lady. And I can't believe that she... Actually got choked out. I mean, that's what happened. She was got a rear naked choke. Alex took her back after she tried a spinning... I want to say a spinning back kick. And she took her back and slapped on a rear naked choke. We have a new 125-pound champion. It happens. I mean, hey. Happened to Amanda Nunez. It can happen to anybody. And it happened to Valentina Shevchenko. One of the most shocking results in the history of MMA, I would say. We get these, you know. It seems to happen more often now, where a champion gets on a run, runs into somebody who stops them, and then they have a little bit of a rivalry, and the champion either, you know, comes back in the second fight and soundly defeats them, or we have a conversation here. The question is, is this Amanda Nunez... God, what's her name? Is this an Amanda Nunez situation where she's going to come back and she's going to win the next fight by a significant margin tomorrow? I'm going to be like, oh, okay. Or is this going to be a Brandon Moreno, Figgy situation where she comes back and Alex does this again to her? And we're all like, oh, oh, no. And uh, to me, I have no idea what's going to happen. The sport is crazy, man. I know is don't bet on John, don't bet against John Jones. Uh, April O'Neil. If you don't know who April O'Neil is, she is the female protagonist, the girl that Megan Fox played in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. People are mad about what they think is the new design potentially for her character, and it's she's a little chubbier, and she's African American. People are mad about this. I don't know why, because April O'Neil has kind of always been super interchangeable, you know? Like, she's never been a set character. She's not like Poison Ivy. Where we all know what Poison Ivy looks like. Like, you know what I mean? She doesn't really have to be white or black or anything like that. We just, we know Poison Ivy when we see her. April O'Neil's not like that. As long as you got the basic, you know is reporter-ish and hangs out with Ninja Turtles. As far as I'm concerned, you're there. Uh, as long as the performance is good, I'm the, I don't really give a shit what she looks like. You know, like I said, has a reporter gimmick, hangs out with Ninja Turtles is really all I need to know. Other than that, as long as it's a fun performance by a decent actress, I don't really care what happens. It does lead me to a bigger conversation, though. Should comic movies be 100% faithful to the casting all the time? Like, the casting of the source material? Like, you know what I mean? Should all the black characters be portrayed by black actors? Should all the white characters be portrayed by white actors? Like, you know what I mean? Should all that be a thing? Or should we be more open to change in comic movies? Not only comic movies, just movies in general of, like, the source material. Like, should we be more open to the characters not looking like what we imagine them to look like, as long as it is a good performance? It's an interesting topic. And the final bit of news, 
the most ridiculous thing from last week was the Selena Gomez versus Haley Bieber nonsense. So there is this whole thing that I got into because my lovely fiance has got me into this thing on TikTok. Uh, well, it just got me into TikTok in general. And I went down the rabbit hole of what was happening here. So from what I understand it, Selena Gomez used to be friends with Haley Bieber, formerly Haley something else famous. (laughs) I'll never remember. But she was famous before that. They used to be friends. They're not friends anymore, obviously. Um... And her, one of the Kardashian twins, not the twins, the one of the Kardashian girls, the Jenner ones. Uh, I want to say Kylie. And Haley were making fun of Selena's weight. And the internet rushed to Selena's defense. Selena has now posted something, a, a video on Twitter or Instagram somewhere on the internet and thanking her fans and thanking everyone for being on her side. And this is all really blown up on Haley Bieber. Like Taylor Swift has unfollowed her. All kind of, She's lost all kinds of followers on all kinds of social media networks. It has been inferred that they were making fun of Selena's eyebrows in one of the videos. It's just a lot of petty stuff that has had very real-world consequences and seems to be somewhat confirmed by the video from Selena Gomez. That shows you how quickly public sentiment can turn on you anymore. When in the in the world of social media, in the world of being a celebrity in the social media age, how quickly one event can have the entire public turn against you. You know what I mean? That's so crazy to me that that happens. That 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 there is a world. Where all public sentiment can be turned against you. And boom, one fell swoop. You know what I mean? Like people are just 100% against Haley Bieber now. And fair enough, because we are team Selena in this house, you know? Alright, sorry ladies and gentlemen. I had to, get some, had to get some H2O before we got into this big topic. My, this week's topic is old people be lying. Uh, what I mean by that is I always see people claim, like from my generation, that they were born in the wrong generation, that they were born too late. And it's annoying, but it does bring up a rather interesting question. Is the past, like, really a better time, a better place? Or do old people be lying, like I just said? Now, everyone always tells the stories about the past. That sounds like this magical fucking wonderland. You know, it sounds like Narnia <laughs> when they describe it. It sounds like this this magical place where nothing can go wrong and, you know, raindrops were made of fucking, you know, orange high sea. But it's not that way. It's really not. I had to look into it. I did, like, research for this. I just pulled up statistics. I looked things up, and and I wanted to find out, is the past really a better time than today? I'm very biased. I grew up in the age of the internet, and I liked growing up in the age of the internet. Uh, creativity, to me, is at an all-time high. You can really kind of make whatever you want, and, and that's proven by things like CGI, 
and movies and and video games and all that stuff. So I'm all, I'm gonna try to be as unbiased as possible because for me, I think people look at the past with nostalgia goggles a lot. Whereas I see a lot of the benefits growing up when I did. But I'm gonna try my best to be completely unbiased and do this topic fairly. So uh, how am I going to do this, you might be asking. Well, first, got to establish which generations are the new ones and which generations are the old ones. Like, you know, everyone's going to ask, where's Gen X? Where's Gen X? All right. Well, here's the generation table. The traditionalist, the silent generation. That's 1928, born from 1928 to 1946. These people are old by now. I mean, you're talking about almost 100 years. I'm giving a lot of slack to this generation. That's mostly because I want to get three generations in each category. All right, baby boomers, 1946 and 1964. This is a big one. This is where most of your uh, of your elderly crowd comes from. <laughs> this is the baby boomer generation. Gen X is 1965 to 1980. G- Gen Y are the millennials. 1981 to 1996, just barely including your boy. Uh, Gen Z, 1997 to 2010. And then the Gen Alpha, which is 2010 to the current day. So I'm going to include Millennials, Gen Z, and Gen Alpha all in the same. And then Silent Generation, Baby Boomers, and Gen X. That's how I did my research. That's how I looked all this up. Okay? Okay. I mean, it just seems fair to me. You know, Millennials have been made fun of forever. Gen Z is the current punching bag. I'm sure it won't be long before the all the generation born in 2010 and after is <laughs> ruthlessly mocked. So I'm like I said, let's let's do this thing. Let's figure this out together as a unit. You and I. Uh, general life. That's how I'm gonna break this down by category. The cost of living. Two hundred dollars in 1946 would be worth. $3,000 today. <laughs> All the things you could get with $2,000 with two, sorry, $200 in 1946. God knows what you get for $2,000 in 1946. Probably, you know, a barrel full of ammo. I don't know. $2,000, uh, $200 in 1946 would be $3,000 a day. $200 in 1980 would be worth $700 today. And then the cost of living typically wasn't monitored. A monitored stat until about the 1970s. In the 1990s, it was only like $100 more. So it really, it's so way, it, the, the cost of living itself hasn't really gone up since heavily since the 90s. Now, since the 80s, it's gone up a little bit. It's been a little scary. Uh, I don't look up to what it was in the 70s, but the 70s were monitored. It, was, it, it wasn't monitored heavily, like the cost of living wasn't monitored heavily until about 1972 is what i read and from 1972 to now they believe wage stagnation is most likely to blame blame for the super high increase in the cost of living uh wages have stayed steady with inflation but most wage increases have gone to the highest paid tier of workers especially uh since 2009 so for about the last decade it seems that you know 
the rich have only gotten richer and that's where all the anger and frustration comes from i think from people nowadays and so when you look at it that way i would say that kind of balances out because the cost of living has gone up but not since about i don't know like probably night not terribly since about 1996 it's an interesting thing because the lost cost of living all went up throughout the reign of Gen X and then kind of <clears throat> petered out at millennials. Like we are living way more expensively than Gen Xers did when they're when they were first born or Gen Xers did when they left. But there's it's it's hard to judge things like this because of like you know you talk about the, the explosion of the internet, the explosion of technology. I think there's so much more widespread now. It's just an interesting time. But I would say I'll give cost of living. You know, it was, it was a lot cheaper to live back in the day than it is today. It's 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 expensive to live life now. Uh, marriage rates, like the family life. We look at the family life. You know, everybody always talks about the nuclear family. The nuclear family. Have yourself a family. I, I do have a family. It's quite nice. But um, much variation can be seen in marriage rates over the years 1900 to 2018, which is what I looked at, which cover all of our generations, which the most pronounced fluctuations occurring with the most uh, pronounced fluctuations occurring during the 1930s and 40s at the time of the Great Depression and World War II, a.k.a. the Baby Boomers. Marriage rates range between 9.3 per 1,000 population to 12 from 1900 to 1929 and then declined to a relative low of 7.9 in 1932. The marriage rate more than doubled between 1932 and 1946 when it reached an all-time high of 16.4 then it generally declined to 8.4 in 1958 and stabilized to 8.5 during the 1959-1962 time. Got high again in 1972 at 10.9 and then at 10.6 again from 80 to 82. From 1982 to 2009, marriage rates fell almost steadily. Were almost steadily declined before stabilizing from 2009 to 2017 between 6.8 and 7. <clears throat> It dropped 6% in 2018 to 6.9 per 1,000 population to 6.5, the lowest from the 1900 to 2018 period. Studies have shown that adults in the United States are increasingly postponing marriage and that a record number of current youth and young adults are projected to forego marriage altogether. Marriage has been shown to be correlated with positive health outcomes and longevity. And a recent report showed that age-adjusted death rates for both males and females are lowest for those who are married at the time of death. So that's uh, fascinating right there. So the, the big thing from I took from that is that young people are just not getting married. And I don't know that that's a, if that's a good or bad thing. Uh, marriage has obviously been correlated with positive health outcomes i'm getting married but i'm not doing the big crazy you know wedding so i don't even know that we're probably gonna like elope or something 
I don't know. I don't know how to describe this because I I'm very happy with my relationship and I feel very comfortable getting married. But I understand why young people don't, and it seems like such a, a harrowing task. Now I think a lot of people are going to point to something like that marriages, you know, were more successful in the past. But there are so many extenuating social circumstances that I don't think people take into account, like. Divorce wasn't socially acceptable back then. It was much more, you know, shameful to be divorced. People were just in unhappy marriages, and there were lots of affairs. People, like people, were sleeping with people outside their marriage all the time. So I don't know that being in an unfaithful, unhappy marriage is is recompense to a better life. Like I just don't know that a a high marriage rate low divorce rate which the divorce rate is obviously higher now but again it's just as people get more the ability and they get more rights and the ability to leave bad marriages they will so naturally the divorce rate's going to go up i just think it's to me this is more about people taking full control of their future as opposed to in the past you kind of you know just figured it out on the fly Although people got divorced in the past, that's one thing that always blows me away. Like, divorce rates were shockingly more high than I thought they were back in like the 60s, 70s, and 80s. People were getting divorced all the time. I mean, it's hovered. It's hovered around like 20%, 20, 30, like 30, 20, 30% for pretty much ever. I mean, it gets a little higher in, you know, like the 90s and the, the 2000s, but it's not crazy. It's not like, you know, it's not like only 5% of people were getting divorced back in the day. It, you know, basically, this is hard to judge from. Relationships were are always very complicated. Birth rates have uh, basically been the same since 2013. Now, 2013 was a huge spike. You guys will be shocked to know that it was uh, my people, the millennials, popping out all the babies. From like 2009 to 2013. Why? I don't know. Probably the Great Depression. Uh, or not the Great Depression. The, the recession. The recession ended in 2008. And people were just, you know, probably in a very good mood. Happy to have money in their pockets again. Plus a lot of my, you know, people in my generation came of sexual availability by then. I don't know. Don't ask me questions. It just that's That's what the facts read out. Then again, in the 90s, from about 94 to 97, it went up a couple percentage points. And then obviously, the, the biggest the biggest jump is from the 40s and the 60s. Mostly the 60s. From like 60 to like 73, it's ridiculous. Like how many people, how many kids people were having. Like, God, what are y'all doing with your lives? Jesus, how did you raise so many children? Ah, good lordy, Jesus. That's a very high birth rate, and uh, I don't know, though. I'm kind of shocked at how many children the millennials have had. Like, really, you Gen Xers were the ones, like, everyone gets at us for not getting married and having kids. We're just not getting married. We're having kids, motherfuckers. <laughs> like, millennials are having children. They're just not getting married. It's, you know what? You Gen Xers, you were actually the real-life stingy ones. Because those when the birth rates got the lowest. Now, I won't lie, right before 2013, things got real 
low. And recently, things have been real low from like 2019, 2019, 2020, 2021, and 2023 are all the lowest birth rates. But that makes sense. We just had a pandemic. Who would want to have a kid? Other than that, it's all very, very, very similar. Other than like 2000, you know, bad economic and bad health times seem to correlate with bad birth rates. So this one, we're going to call a draw because I don't, I don't think there is a, there's a, there's a, a fair way here because you know what? Millennials really picked up the slack in 2012 and 2013, 2014. Good job guys. Proud of you. Proud of us. Uh, life expectancy. The current life expectancy here in 2023 is 76.4 years. In 1996, it was 76.5 years. So we're pretty steady there. In uh, 1980, 73.7 years. And in 1965, 66.8 years. This is a clear cut. The Right now, the present wins this one. We have better medicine. We have more affordable medicine. We have like just everything is better here for you to live longer. Better dental care, better eye care, everything. It all lines up. And life expectancy and, and medical stuff, like all that's gonna favor the current times, guys. You just have to accept that. You know what I mean? The common expression back in the day was rub some dirt on it and stuff like and wild shit like that. So it's not out of this world for, you know, us to have the better medical and you know the better medical to care and the better life expectancy. And don't get mad at me. Don't come at me and say things like, oh, people didn't get sick back in the day. That's bullshit. Everyone got sick back in the day. You guys just tough that shit out, all right? You can have the <clears throat> pharmaceutical companies trying to jam pills down your throat. But just because you were, just because doesn't mean you were healthier than us. Look, you didn't live as long. All right, sure, you want to say, oh, it's because we, you know, we went out and we did things. Shut up. You wild animals. This goes, life expectancy goes to the present. Oh, God. Safety. So, obviously, crime rates have gone way, way up. <clears throat> now, what's crazy about the crime rate is, like, it goes way, way up during Prohibition. It goes way, way up. We get in the safety here during, God, what is it? The Depression, actually. Then it's down for a while during the wars. <clears throat> then it goes way, way up again in the 70s and the 80s <laughs> with cocaine. And then it goes way, 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 way down in the 90s. Like with stop and frisk and, you know, just say no and all that going wild. Way, way down, and now it's way back up. So, crime rates have kind of been a roller coaster. Uh, police killings have been on a steady increase pretty much the entire 200 years of the country. So, that's that That seems to be kind of a draw. That everybody has, has gotten worse under everybody's watch. The incarceration rate has been... Its highest was during the 90s. So, I guess that's on millennials. I, you know, again, but, but again, the crime rate's going way, way down in the 90s. That's also us. Uh, and then the convictions that have been overturned, there's more convictions overturned recently. So it's, I guess safety is a question. Like, what do you want to feel safe from? 
Do you want your rights protected or do you want to feel safe from criminals? Because you know what? Criminals have been protected, have been sent, more criminals have been sent to jail by millennials and more crimes, you know, presented by millennials than any other generation in history in the United States. However, we also overturn uh, way, way more convictions than anyone else. And uh, I don't know. It feels like really safety goes to goes to the current generations, the current three generations that are running things. But, yeah, it does. It's ours. Come on, guys. It is safety. We, we are the safest generation. All right, crime rates are not that super high, and but now in some places it's kind of wild, like Chicago and Louisville and most major metropolitan areas. So maybe I'm, I don't know. I'm going to go the new generation here. Work, unemployment rates. Let's look up the unemployment rates in like 1946. But I'm, I'm, I would almost be positive that this was easier, probably better back in the day, but also there's a lot of things like that you got to take into account. When it comes to work and stuff like that. Like. The explosion of a population. There used to be what? How big was the population in the United States. In like 1946. 100 million people. There's 200 million more people in the country. You can't. So all of them don't have a job. So naturally the employment rate is going to go down. It's just. I don't know. I don't know how you would judge all this. That's really what I'm kind of getting around to here. Is uh, so the unemployment rate is 3.4 percent right now in the United States. That's ours. This is the only one I uh, didn't do a whole lot of research on. It was 3.9. We have a lower unemployment rate than 1946. Get out of here. Get out of here. Here we go. 64 more rows. We have a chart, ladies and gentlemen. I have a chart for you guys. So they've been doing unemployment rates since 1929. Holy crap. 3.2% was the unemployment rate in 1929. Then the market crashed. It was 8.7%. So the biggest unemployment rate looks like it's 249 before FDR's New Deal. My boy FDR. And then the unemployment rate was at 1.9% in 1943. But you know, there was war and all that good jazz. So back in 1999, it was at 4.4%. The long, biggest it's been during the millennial age seems to be around 10%. Or around 9, yeah, around 10% in 08, which would be the Great Recession. And, you know, oof, that was a hard time. So 10% exactly. The hardest one, let's go to the biggest unemployment rate for the greatest generation, or the not the greatest generation, the baby boomers. And I won't even hold you guys responsible for anything crazy. I'm not going to lie. Baby boomers are pretty solid, guys. They crushed it. It never goes above, like, 6%. It goes up to 6.6 .6 that one time in 1949. 
And from that point on, it's just all super under 6%. All right, Gen Z or Gen X, 10% in 1982. So Gen X and millennials are about the same. So I'm going to give this, I see, I figure this would be lower. The earlier days, it was just so, such a different world. Like, that's one thing I really wanted to talk about when I talked about this podcast, this whole Old People Be Lying podcast. It's not even really so much Old People Be Lying. Old people just grew up in a different world than we grew up in. You know what I mean? It was so easy to go find a job. It was easier to go find a job because there weren't as many people. There weren't as much uh, human interaction in the workforce. There wasn't so much going on, I feel like. And looking at these statistics makes me feel like maybe – you know, the past, it would have been easy. Like, maybe that's why people, so many people were able to, like, have houses and raise families and shit. And God, you know what? I hate to say it, but that does kind of sound nice. That sounds so peaceful. Oh, no. Am I turning? Am I going to like the past? I don't want to do that. Fuck. Anyway, we're going to move on to the politics of it. Now, I brought up politics not because I want to make people sad. Calm down. More I want to talk about like the the way things were structured back then. Politicians, the parties, the people, the news, the media. Um, From the clips I've watched, it would appear things were a little less contentious. <laughs> Like, Democrats and Republicans got along. Now, don't get me wrong, uh, people did wild shit all the time. Obviously, a dude in the 90s, well, I guess the 90s would be us, blew up one of the federal government buildings. But it just seemed like if you didn't agree on politics, you just didn't talk about them. It was uh, great. Everybody voted for who they wanted to vote for. People (laughs) just kind of talked about it when it was election time. Other than that, they just got on with their lives. That I'm getting to the past 100%. The news just reported the news for the most part and the stuff I read. Although there's a little bit of propaganda, but, you know, we, uh, and then there wasn't a lot of media. I, they, their version of politics just seems somewhere peaceful. And maybe it's because you weren't aware of all the things that were happening. Like, you know, we weren't aware that the U.S. government was doing was was responsible for the crack cocaine epidemic. We weren't aware. Like, maybe we are just not aware because that's the thing with safety. Like, everyone says it was safer back in the day. They're like, oh, you can leave your your doors unlocked and all that stuff. It's not that it was safer. These people just weren't aware how dangerous that was. (laughs) They just didn't know how scary it was to leave your fucking doors unlocked and leave your, you know, leave it wearing bike and just walk up in your house. It's the same basic principle here with politics. Things were more peaceful because people weren't aware how much everyone was getting fucked. So I can I can see why maybe I'm wrong on that. And maybe politics do need to be this way. But I don't know. It just seems so angry and aggressive and hostile now that I, I just feel like it would go better. We'd better go back. Now the topics I know a little bit about and are a little bit of fun now that we've gotten through all this boring statistical stuff the entertainment 
were movies, music, TV, radio, books, comics, video games, all the stuff I love. Now, was that better in the past? Okay, first off, TV shows, no. The answer is just flatly no. Okay, I've seen MASH. I've seen, um, you know, Cheers and all that stuff. I've seen all the, you know, all the high-brow sitcoms and stuff like that and drama shows. And they're good. Don't get me wrong. They're good for being, like, shows from the 70s and the 80s and the 60s and, you know, the Magna P.I.s and all that stuff. But come on. They are, they're all cheesy as fuck. They they're they got nothing on like the Netflix shows and all that stuff of today, like the the real television of today, like you know like the the Sopranos and the Game of Thrones. That's all millennial television. That's where we really get to take over. And that's why I always say I prefer the age of the internet and in creative endeavors. We millennials have been kicking ass, man, kicking ass and taking names we have been mopping the floor with the entertainment game we really really have okay because you can't here's the thing here's the thing that people like to do gen x likes to talk all the shit and then claim things they're actually millennial things because here's the thing the millennials start in 1981 bitch oh yes our timetable here is Silent Generation, 1928, 1946, 1964, Gen X, 1965, 1980, Millennials, 1981 to 1996. That means that the thing, Millennials, Top Gun, Millennials, Star Wars, well, part of Star Wars, Millennials, that is our shit. I'm tired. I'm tired of listening to Gen Xers talk about how, oh, that's our culture. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's not your culture. It's not how this works. You don't get to tell, you don't get to claim all the 80s shit and be, no, no, no. Not allowed. Unacceptable. The 80s belongs to us. That's our shit. All right. Now, I may be a 90s baby, but I'm allowed. Okay. Y'all don't get to do that. You don't get to market. You don't get to. You don't get to pick out the parts of part pop culture that was made, that you know that was for the millennials. That was our shit. That's not how that works. Those are ours. That's the stuff we grew up on. That's the stuff we watched. And I guess you made it. That's fair. But look at some of the stuff we've made. The TV shows. All that. This is. TV goes to millennials. Now, movies, I give that to you. Movies and music, I mean, chef's kiss, guys. Chef's kiss, baby boomers, chef's kiss, Gen X. I mean, the movies and music you guys have made is just spectacular. There is no comparison. Like the movies made by people who were in the Generation X, the movies and music made, like it's just, it is wonderful. And I'll give you that. That's 100% your, your victory.
Books, I'm not enough of a reader to judge. Comics, hmm. I'm going to go with the old ones. The old comic stories are just just like the music and movies are just they they there's they're flawless. It is flawless. Music, TV and comic books from the old days are flawless. They hit all the beats they're supposed to hit. They make you feel all the ways they're supposed to make you feel. And video games, I'm going real controversial here, but it's current video games. Okay? Hot take, everything made, all 90% of the video games made before 1990 are dog water. At me. Uh, sports! They were certainly more dangerous back in like the 60s, 70s, and 80s. But were they better? No. <laughs> the 80s, the 60s and 70s in the NBA almost killed the sport. Well, the 60s and 70s. Is that, wait, what was the 60s? Was that Wilton, Bill Russell? Anyway, the 70s almost killed the sport. The 60s were fine. The 80s was where things took off for the NBA. But then again, remember, you gotta remember, gotta remember, that belongs to millennials. We got the 80s is our shit. We got to watch the 80s. Okay, we grew up watching the 80s. Well, I didn't. I grew up watching the 90s and the early 2000s, mostly, but whatever. Uh, athletes are better taken care of today, that's for sure. I, I I don't know. It's just the skill level is higher than ever before. I don't think anybody can doubt that. I think that the skill level, when you look at it, of athletes today, can't, you can't, it can't help but be higher because they're better taken care of and they, they can dedicate 100% of their time to the sport. You know, like when you look at back in the day, like back in like the forties, the thirties, dudes were dude had dudes had other jobs. You had dentists playing professional baseball. Okay, it's not like it was a crazy skilled game, but nowadays these guys can dedicate their entire lives, basically from the time they're like six, four, even to playing professional baseball or playing professional football or playing professional whatever and that's an insane amount of skill and i think that means the skill level we are seeing right now is the highest it's ever been but there was something to the guys that did stuff like that to the guys that were just so naturally talented that they could like be you know like you know be a garbage man on friday and then come hit home runs on a saturday it's just there is a novelty to the past of sports that people enjoy. Like, you know, like I said, I grew up with 90s basketball. So I grew up with guys like Michael Jordan. And, you know, really, I grew up in the mid-2000s. So I grew up with guys like Kobe and guys like Shaq and guys like Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen and, you know, all those dudes from the early 2000s to mid-2000s to 2010s. I grew up with them and Steph Curry and... I'm trying to think of some more guys. Tracy McGrady, Vince Carter, people I looked up to in the sports world. Uh, Tony Romo, DeMarcus Ware, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady. Well, Tom Brady is like a four-decade athlete, it feels like at this point. But Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre, Eli Manning to a certain extent, even though I kind of low-key hated him. You know, all the mid-2000s to 90s athletes – I have a special connection to, and I'll always feel like that. Oh, that was the best time to watch. That was the best 
time to be a fan of sports because it was the time I grew up in. And I feel like everybody else feels the same way. Like, you know, someone who grew up watching Mean Joe Green feels like the 70s was the best era of football. Someone who grew up watching Troy Aikman and or Brett Favre or uh, Joe Montana or Steve Young feels like the 90s was the best era of football or grew up watching Jordan or and Isaiah feels like the 90s is the best era of basketball or Bird and Matt like you know what I mean to me sports is such a memory experience based thing how you experience sports how they make you feel that it almost is impossible to decide if sports are better in the past, if sports are better in the future, you know, today. I like sports today. Now, the game, I, I just like sports in general. You know, it was so much more physical back in the day, but it's so much more skilled now. It feels like, you know, we really are getting to see the best of the best of the best, sir. And that's special. But there was something about watching dudes try to kill each other in the NFL back in the day. <laughs> So yeah, I'll uh, I'll call this a draw. So I know after all my you know forty five minutes of rambling, you're probably asking yourself, Kyle, have you come to a conclusion here? And yeah, is the past better than today? No, um, but neither is today better than the past. It's this thing we do. We're past generations trying to make the current generations feel like they're worthless and current generations try to make the past generations feel like they're stupid is so silly. Uh, Generation, people don't change. Human beings are the same. Just because we are born in different generations, just because we are born in different points through history doesn't make us not all people. It doesn't make us not all want the same things. You know, deep down, everyone wants to be loved and appreciated and everyone wants to you know i'm sure everyone wants to have a family of sorts even if you don't have a a nuclear family to per se like they did back in the 1940s you know even if your family is your significant other you know your parents and your dog everyone wants a group of people to fit in with everyone wants a space to feel safe in and everyone wants to find something that they're passionate about those are the things that the tenets of life that people are after. And it hasn't changed since people were people. Okay? Whether your passion for life was rebuilding old used cars or your passion for life is podcasting. You know, it doesn't matter what you enjoy doing. People have always tried to find a life that makes them happy and satisfied. And I think that's never changed. I think that's truly who human beings are is they want something they want to feel loved and appreciated by people who love and appreciate them and then they want to find something that makes them feel challenged and satisfied and then they want to feel comforted they want to feel secure they have a roof over their head and food in their bellies and all that like that's all the things that drove human beings in the 1946 and then in 1980 and then in 1996 and then in 2010 are what are going to drive humans in 1946 and 1965 and 1989 or in 2089 or 2065 or in all those those years? All the things that drive us now are going to be the same then. It's Nothing changes. So would it be better to go back in the past? No. It's always 
better. It's always a grass is greener situation, but the grass is never greener, guys. All right. All we have to do is make the world a better place for not only future generations, but our generation. Let's let's make the world a better place for us. All right. Well, anyway, 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 enough serious nonsense talk. Let's do some would you rather questions. Huh? Let's look for some some good ones. We'll do two or three good ones. And then I'm going to close on my final am I wrong topic. Would I rather have Beyonce's talent or Jay-Z's business acumen? Ooh, hoo, hoo. mama. Uh, I don't know. Because Beyonce is very talented. Beyonce may be the most talented woman in show business on the reels but that business acumen would stick with you like like donald trump became the president as a businessman that business acumen i feel like you get in trouble though it's a whole thing like suge knight became famous for being a businessman um Give me Jay-Z's business acumen. Honestly, if I could do business like that, the hell with it. Nah, I'm too creative. Give me Beyonce's talent. I wouldn't I wouldn't want to do the same thing that Beyonce does. I wouldn't want to sing. But just have that talent level and apply it to anything I did. Ooh. Peace de resistance. I could put people around me that could do the business thing. Have a personal maid or a personal chef. This is easy for me. Personal chef. Cleaning really doesn't bother me. It really doesn't. Like, I could do dishes. I could mop. I could sweep. I could vacuum all day. No problems. Wipe down the, the, you know, flat surfaces. All that stuff. Get deep in there. Get underneath, you know, get underneath the couches. Get in between the couches. Do everything that needs to be done to get get, get a place clean. Do laundry. None of that stuff really bothers me. Um, However... I know my fiance would love for us to have a personal chef. Someone that would just cook anything at any time. Dial it up. Hmm. Would I rather be an extra in an Oscar winning movie or the lead in a box office bomb? Hmm. My ego says the lead. But my deep desire to be in good stuff says uh, an extra. I would want to be an extra because I think for me, being in like an Oscar winning movie or being in like a, you know, I mean, being in a production that was so great like that, I would just try to soak up as much knowledge as possible to not just get the movie nerd out of here. But like I would, I would want to soak up as much creative banter and knowledge as humanly possible. You know what I mean? with these people who have made these amazing movies and they've done these amazing things. That's what I would want to do. Let me look for for one more. I don't know that I have any more here. Oh, spend a year at war or a year in prison. Oh! 
Oh no. Um Pride Prison. I I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Yeah, prison. Prison. I, not everyone's trying to kill you in prison. Some people are trying to kill you, but not everyone's trying to kill you in prison. Everyone's trying to kill you at war. I feel like I feel like in prison is just a lot of time with yourself, which is almost as scary as going to Ooh. Do I want to say prison? Oh no. That's a lot of time to spend alone. I could do it. I could I, okay, prison. Yeah, a year in prison. Not a year at war. I don't know, man. I just don't I think a year at war just sounds so chaotic. It sounds so random. You know what I mean? Like unless you're going to prison like a maximum security prison where you're getting like all the super crazy gangs. You know, I would then it, I'd probably do war because then at that point, at least I can, you know, I have people I can trust. I have friends. If you're, if I'm in like a crazy people prison, I, I don't, I don't trust anybody, and I'm just constantly looking over my back. But like normal prison, I could do that. That's probably doable. You just, you know, just don't bother anybody. Do your time and get out of there. Whereas at war, you know, you could be not bothering anybody and still get blown up. Anyway, move to my final thing. This is more of a sports fan thing for the people who were here last week when I did a Hocus Pocus one. The Am I Wrong section. Uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, am I wrong? I think that LeBron James gets unfair hatred. So, for those who don't know who LeBron James is, he is the probably the most famous athlete on the planet. He's definitely the most famous basketball player. And he has been famous since he was 16 years old. He was put on the cover of Sports Illustrated called The Chosen One. That was the name of the issue. And he has never been in any trouble that I'm aware of for anything that athletes most of the time get in trouble for, regardless of the color of their skin, regardless of anything like that. Just athletes in general, you know, get in trouble for usually having an affair or two or you know doing something stupid like drinking and driving just just dumb stuff that you expect 18 to 22 year olds to do when they get massive amounts of money you know and that happened for lebron that well that's never happened for lebron um all he's ever done is work hard and play basketball and you know, people, I just want to keep giving more backstory, people, because people really don't like LeBron James, and he's a, a poor kid from Akron, Ohio, who grew up with a single mom, never had a father figure uh, in his life. One thing people always complain about when he did become rich and famous is that people always forget where they're from. He didn't forget where he's from. He brought his high school friends up with him, made them all millionaires, then gave back to his community, built schools, built libraries, built all this stuff, made built up Akron, Ohio. And from what I can understand, people don't like LeBron because he's kind of a goof. And I agree with that. I'm not saying I agree with everything LeBron says. He, he did one thing that does get him a lot of hate is he's, in recent years, become very political, which just makes sense he's become older. 
you know, he's his basketball career is beginning to slow down the older he gets, which makes sense. He's probably not as athletic, and he probably doesn't want to continue to put the strain on his body that it takes to play basketball. So he starts to think about things more, starts to think about the world more. He's a father, so he probably thinks about the world that he's leaving for his own children and, and stuff like that. And he has given a lot of commentary on social situations, such as police brutality, um, situations in sports about athletes getting paid, uh, situations that he himself has been in, where things like you know things like being yelled racial slurs in Boston, stuff like that, and that seems to have somewhat annoyed people, I guess in a way and and i get that i do understand somewhat that because it it does when someone reaches a level of of fame and fortune no matter their origin story even if they come from the same poor backgrounds that the rest of us come from it's hard to take them seriously in in issues like that and i get that i i get the dislike of what he says and i get disagreeing with it and another thing I get is people, you know, some people do go overboard in defending him in a basketball sense. Like, you know, people say LeBron is the greatest basketball player of all time. And, and I'm going to be honest, I love LeBron. He's probably one of my favorite basketball players of all time, but I don't know that he's the best. Michael Jordan has such an extensive resume, an extensive successful resume in sports and in basketball and in just being, you know, he was so iconic and he's so untouchable in so many senses that it's it's hard to proclaim anyone the best in basketball besides michael jordan and i get if you feel like lebron is not the best ever i get if you feel like lebron's not even one of the the five best ever i disagree with you but i i i can hear your argument none of that is what i'm talking about none of this like argument about is he the goat none of the like none of the basketball qualifications none of this like political stuff why do people dislike lebron because i talked about his upbringing that he's been famous since he was 16 he's been in the spotlight that long and he's never been in trouble never in a fair never drunk driving never a fight never nothing nothing not as far as i'm aware for 20 years over two decades he's been in the the biggest public spotlight you can be in and he's done nothing but be a good husband be a good father uh, a, a great friend from all reports a great businessman just in general a good person and and i wonder if all of that is why people hate him is because he's almost perfect he's just this good kind-hearted person who happens to be one of the best athletes in the world and yeah he's he's kind of a goof like when if you look up his taco tuesday stuff and you know the stuff he does with the sun he did the harlem shake back in the day which was really awful and he did you know he does all this goofy but I would call it lovable stuff. Like he doesn't do anything malicious. He's never done anything 
nasty or bad or any, you know, like, yeah, he left Cleveland to go play in Miami. If that's why you dislike him, you're a, an idiot. Athletes do that all the time. And he came, you know, he came back. And not only that, it's just like, that's just such a ridiculous reason to hate a person. If you can dislike him as an athlete, I get that. But to hate him because he left one city to go play basketball in another city's dumb i don't know i just i think he i think lebron is one of the ultimate victims of the social media age because he started to become someone we all knew who he was around 2003 2004 and that was around the start of the real social media age, at the age of Facebook, MySpace, and then you know eventually Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat, and LeBron has basically grew up in front of us. And unlike a lot of us, he's never made really any mistakes. He's never fucked up. He's never done something stupid. He's never, you know, made it a, a wrong turn, an error, and he. To me, that's inspiring. To me, it's inspiring to watch someone who comes from nothing, who comes from such a low starting point, ascend to such a level where, you know, yes, it, it, it's, you know, circumstantial because he's such a, he's a generationally gifted athlete, but also just the way he's conducted himself for two decades is just miraculously impressive. And I think he is unfairly judged because so many of us who have, watched him grow up um did not conduct ourselves in the same manner that he did and we're a little jealous and so we want to pick at him and we want to find flaws in him and we want to hate him and i think that's unfair i I think lebron genuinely is someone that is worthy of being a role model and worthy of being someone we should look up to and i believe lebron james we need more lebron jameses in the world and that the hate for lebron james the hate that lebron james gets is unfair am i wrong and that'll conclude our show ladies and gentlemen Uh, thank you again for listening to the planet comedy podcast you can find us on social media uh, on Facebook at The Planet Comedy. The same thing on Instagram. Twitter is the PCP Gang. YouTube content is coming very, very soon. In fact, it might be on my date of birth, the March 14th. But uh, movie and TV reviews, live watch alongs, all that stuff. Uh, you can find the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Pandora, pretty much anywhere you guys get audio content. And check out our other podcasts today, Average Joe's College Football Show, a college football podcast made for its fans by its fans, a comedic take on the serious, on the, sorry, the shockingly serious world of college football, hosted by Kyle Sullivan and Big Brilly Early Wine. Pretty Primal is coming soon, a relationship podcast hosted by Jasmine McHugh. And then check out Diversity in Life, a self-discovery and therapeutic life podcast hosted by my good friend, Devin Ray Stidham, thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next week. Peace, love, and trouble.